It's the afternoon. <laughs> um, senators, uh, Chief Justice, President's Council, um, it's been a long day, and we start out the day with the chaplain asking for empathetic listening. And I think that uh, that is certainly what you have delivered for us today. I know you've been bombarded uh, with information all day, and when you leave this chamber, you are bombarded again by members of the press. Um, there is no refuge, I know. And I just want to uh, thank you for keeping an open mind about all of the issues that we are presenting, an open mind for us and an open mind for the President's Council. That's all that we can ask for. And having watched you now for three days, whether it is someone you are predisposed to agree with or predisposed not to, it is abundantly clear that you are listening with an open mind. And we can't ask for anything more than that, so we are grateful. At the beginning of the trial, you may have seen the president tweeted. Now, tweeted a lot, but tweeted a common refrain, read the transcript. So I thought at the end of the evening, I would join in the president's request that you reread the transcript. Because now that you know a lot more of the facts of this scheme, it reveals a lot more about that conversation. And let me just point out a few things that may have escaped your attention about that transcript, which is not really a transcript because it's not complete. Let me just tell you a few things that may have escaped your attention about that call record. Now, we've already talked about it, and I won't go into it again, the, the pivotal sections where he talks about crowd strike, and he asks for that favor, and he wants the investigation of the Bidens. There is a lot more to that call now that you know so much more about that scheme. Let me just point out a few things that really struck my attention. Early in the call, President Zelensky says, we brought in many new people, many, many new people, not the old politicians, not the typical politicians, because we want to have a new format and a new type of government. So again, this is the July 25th call, and early in the call, President Zelensky wants to impress upon President Trump he's brought in new people, that he's a reformer. This was his campaign pledge. He's a reformer. He's coming in. He's bringing new people. So if there had been any concern about corruption in Ukraine, he's bringing in new people. He's the reformer. That's one of the first messages that he wants to get across. And you can better well believe that he is prepared for this call because he needs that White House meeting. So everything he says is prepared. And early on, he wants to make sure he lets the president know he's a reformer. Now, the president has his own agenda in this call. And immediately after that, in the next exchange, the president makes this point. The United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. I wouldn't say that it's reciprocal necessarily, because things are happening that are not good, but the United States has been very, very good to Ukraine. This is very interesting, that he brings up very early in the conversation, this relationship is not reciprocal. We've been very, very good to Ukraine, but you know, can't say there's much coming the other way. Now, you'll remember 
that Bill Taylor had this reaction to talking to Gordon Sondland when Sondland says, Donald Trump is a businessman. Before he writes a check, he likes to get what he's owed. And Taylor's reaction is, well, that makes no sense because Ukraine doesn't owe us anything. Well, Donald Trump, in this call, you can see he does think he's owed. This is what he's talking about when he says there's not much reciprocity here. He thinks he's owed something. You want to get this military? You want to get this meeting? I don't see much reciprocity here. He thinks he's owed something. When you, when you read that passage and you know about that, he's a businessman before he signs a check, that, that takes on new meeting. Now, a little later in the call, Zelensky says, I will personally tell you that one of my associates spoke with Mr. Giuliani just recently, and we are hoping very much that Mr. Giuliani will be able to travel to Ukraine, and we will meet once he comes to Ukraine. Now, you should read this carefully yourself, but this may be the first mention of Giuliani. And Zelensky's bringing him up and saying, well, I'd really like to meet with Giuliani. Now, this is July. What do we know now about the meeting between Giuliani and Zelensky? We know that Giuliani in May wanted to go meet with Zelensky. We saw that letter from Giuliani, I want to go meet with Zelensky. And we know he was rebuffed or something happened because he didn't get that meeting. And he was angry and he went on TV and he said, Zelensky is surrounded by enemies of Trump, right? So Zelensky's prepared for this call. And he knows it's going to resonate with Donald Trump if he says, I'd like to meet with Rudy Giuliani. And immediately thereafter, immediately after that, he says, uh, we are hoping very much that Mr. Giuliani will be able to travel to Ukraine and we will meet once he comes to Ukraine. Immediately thereafter, the next sentence he says, I just wanted to assure you once and again, you have nobody but friends around us. Now, we could have read this transcript to you early, early on. That wouldn't have meant much to you. But now that you know that Rudy Giuliani was out there on TV saying Zelensky is surrounded by enemies of Trump, you can see why Zelensky says, you've got nobody but friends around us. And he goes on. I also wanted to tell you that we are friends. He brings up friendship again. We are great friends. That's the third time he wants to underscore what great friends they are. And why? Because Rudy Giuliani has been saying they're enemies. And then he goes on to say, I also plan to surround myself with great people in addition to that investigation. I guarantee as the president of Ukraine that all the investigations will be done openly and candidly that I can assure you. He needs to assure the president he's going to get his deliverable, right? Because it's been made clear before this call what the president wants to hear more than that, what the president needs to hear. And he needs to hear 
I mean, no stone unturned in that investigation. So the president, in the next response, says, Mr. Giuliani is a highly respected man. He was the mayor of New York City, a great mayor, and I would like him to call you. Well, that sounds familiar, doesn't it? Call Rudy. Same thing he told the three amigos in May. Call Rudy. Now he's telling Zelensky, call Rudy. And then he says, I will ask him to call you, along with the attorney general. Rudy very much knows what's happening, and he is a very capable guy. If you would speak to him, that would be great. Talk to Rudy. Now, that's pretty remarkable, right? Head to head, head of state to head of state call. It's not talk to my secretary of state, not talk to my national security advisor, it's talk to Rudy. Now, it's interesting, too, that it's not just Rudy, right? I will ask him to call you along with the attorney general. Now, that was quite a shock when this call record was released, right? The attorney general shows up in this call record. A couple times he shows up in this call record. And that's when the Department of Justice immediately issues the statement, we've got nothing to do with this. We don't know anything about this. The ink is barely dry. This thing's been released. We don't know what this is about. We, we haven't talked to him about it. We haven't gone to Ukraine. We don't know anything about this. Now, bear in mind a couple other things that you know at this point. Bear in mind that there was a whistleblower complaint before this call record was released. Bear in mind that the law that we passed and you passed requires that a whistleblower complaint that is designated to go to Congress must go to Congress, must go to the intelligence committees. That if the inspector general finds it credible and urgent, it has to not only go to Congress, it has to go to Congress soon. There's a timetable. And bear in mind what happened when that complaint was filed and the inspector general says, it's not only credible, it's urgent. It's urgent. What happens? Well, it goes to the acting director of national intelligence. And what does he do? He contacts the White House. And he contacts Bill Barr's Justice Department. And what does Bill Barr's Justice Department do in consultation with the White House? They say, don't turn it over to Congress. You don't have to turn it over to Congress. I know what the law says. It says you shall. Doesn't say you may. Doesn't say you might. Doesn't say you can if you like to. Doesn't say if the president doesn't object. It says you shall. And we're telling you, Bill Barr's Justice Department is telling you, you don't have to. Highest office of the law in the land is saying, ignore the law. Ignore the law. We'll come up with some rationalization. We'll get our guys at the Office of Legal Counsel to write some opinion. We'll find a way. Do not turn it over. You don't have to. And they don't. And they don't. And the Inspector General, who deserves a lot of credit for guts, he reports to the Intelligence Committees and says they're violating the law. And I don't know what to do about it. They're supposed to turn it over to you. I don't know what to do about it. But I need to tell you to meet my obligation 
they're not doing what they should. And so we subpoena the Director of National Intelligence. And we make it clear to the National Intelligence Director of National Intelligence, he's going to have to come before Congress in an open hearing and explain why he's the first acting director to refuse to turn a complaint over to Congress. And the investigations are opened. And the result is they're forced to turn it over to Congress, and they're forced to release this call record. But here you have the Department of Justice weighing in, you don't have to turn it over, the same call record that mentions the Attorney General of the United States. But it fails. That effort to cover up, to conceal the whistleblower complaint fails. And it comes out. And no sooner than it does, the Attorney General says, we had nothing to do with this. Now, of course, if that had never been released, well, then the Attorney General's name would have never come up in this call record, and there would be no necessity of distancing himself from the President's actions. Now, in the next exchange, President Zelensky says that he will, he or she, he's going to have a new prosecutor general, and he or she will look into the situation specifically to the company that you mentioned in this issue. Now, this is also interesting. The company that you mentioned in this issue. Now, there's no company mentioned in this issue in the call record. But, of course, you've seen now testimony from two witnesses who were on that call that Burisma was mentioned. So why isn't Burisma in the call record? Well, can't say this. That call record went to that highly classified server. And that mention of Burisma didn't make it into the call record. But Zelensky goes on to say the issue of the investigation of the case is actually the issue of making sure to restore the honesty, so we will take care of that, and we will work on the investigation of the case. Time after time after time, Zelensky feels the need to assure the president he's going to do those political investigations that the president wants. In the next exchange, the president, after Zelensky says this, the president says, I will have Mr. Giuliani give you a call, and I'm also going to have Attorney General bar call, and we will get to the bottom of it. I think, I mean, you can count, don't take my word, but I think there's no one who comes up more in this call record than Rudy Giuliani, which tells us something. Now, in the next exchange, Zelensky says, among other things, I also wanted to thank you for your invitation to visit the United States, specifically Washington, D.C., on the other hand, I also want to assure you, ensure you that we will be very serious about the case and we will work on the investigation. So here, in the same way that earlier in the conversation Zelensky brings up those weapons, those javelins he needs, and the president immediately says, I have a favor. So military assistance, I have a favor. Here Zelensky says, I want to thank you for your invitation to come visit. I also want to assure you we're serious about doing the investigation. Clearly, he is linking the two, and of course, he's linking the two because he's told the two are linked before the call. 
And he's conveying to the president, I got the message. Now, the president, in the next exchange, says, I will tell Rudy and Attorney General Barr to call. Again, let's make sure there's no misunderstanding here. I'm going to have them call. I want you in touch with Rudy Giuliani and the Attorney General. I will tell Rudy and the Attorney General Barr to call. Thank you. Whenever you would like to come to the White House, feel free to call. I'm going to have you talk to Rudy and the Attorney General. And by the way, anytime you want to come to the White House, just call. Give us a date and we'll work that out. I look forward to seeing you. And then Zelensky says, thank you very much. I would be very happy to come. I look forward, I'm looking forward to our meeting. Again and again, Zelensky's ask, what he goes into that call wanting is the meeting. You could tell what he was prepared for. He was prepared for the request for investigations. He knew what he had to promise, and he knew what he wanted to obtain, and that was the visit. Now, you also saw in that video, that, that rather sad video, yes, sort of humorous, but sad too, of Zelensky and President Trump at the UN, where he's saying, you know, I still haven't gotten that meeting. And I can tell you something, and, and, and this is what is so frightening about these circumstances. If we hadn't discovered all this, he would likely be saying in that UN meeting, you know, we're still waiting on that military aid. Yeah, we forced the aid to be released because the president got caught. But even now, our ally can't get his foot in the door. Even now, our ally can't get his foot in the door. And this brings me to the last point I want to make tonight, which is when we're done, we believe that we will have made the case overwhelmingly of the president's guilt. That is, he's done what he's charged with. He withheld the money. He withheld the meeting. He used it to coerce Ukraine to do these political investigations. He covered it up. He obstructed us. He's trying to obstruct you. And he's violated the Constitution. But I want to address one other thing tonight. Okay, he's guilty. Okay, he's guilty. Does he really need to be removed? Does he really need to be removed? We have an election coming up. Does he really need to be removed? He's guilty. You know, is there really any doubt about this? I mean, do we really have any doubt about the facts here? Does anybody really question whether the president is capable of what he's charged with? No one is really making the argument, Donald Trump would never do such a thing. Because of course we know that he would, and of course we know that he did. It's a somewhat different question, though, to ask, okay, it's pretty obvious whether we can say it publicly or we can't say it publicly, we all know what we're dealing here with this president. But does he really need to be removed? And this is why he needs to be removed. Donald Trump chose Rudy Giuliani over his own intelligence agencies. He chose Rudy Giuliani over his own FBI director. He chose Rudy Giuliani over his own national security advisors. When all of them were telling him this Ukraine 2016 stuff is 
kooky, crazy Russian propaganda. He chose not to believe them. He chose to believe Rudy Giuliani. That makes him dangerous to us, to our country. That was Donald Trump's choice. Now, why would Donald Trump believe a man like Rudy Giuliani over a man like Christopher Wray? Okay? Why would anyone in their right mind believe Rudy Giuliani over Christopher Wray? Because he wanted to, and because what Rudy was offering him was something that would help him personally. And what Christopher Ray was offering him was merely the truth. What Christopher Ray was offering him was merely the information he needed to protect his country and its elections. But that's not good enough. What's in it for him? What's in it for Donald Trump? This is why he needs to be removed. Now, you may be asking, how much damage can he really do in the next several months until the election? A lot. A lot of damage. Now, we just saw last week a report that Russia tried to hack or maybe did hack Burisma. Okay? I don't know if they got in. I'm trying to find out. My colleagues on the Intel Committee, House and Senate, we're trying to find out, did the Russians get in? What are the Russian plans and intentions? Well, let's say they got in. And let's say they start dumping documents to interfere in the next election. Let's say they start dumping some real things they hacked from Burisma. Let's say they start dumping some fake things they didn't hack from Burisma, but they want you to believe they did. Let's say they start blatantly interfering in our election again to help Donald Trump. Can you have the least bit of confidence that Donald Trump will stand up to them and protect our national interest over his own personal interest? You know you can't, which makes him dangerous to this country. You know you can't. You know you can't count on him. None of us can. None of us can. What happens if China got the message? Now, you can say, well, he's just joking. Of course, he didn't really mean China should investigate the Bidens. You know that's no joke. Now, maybe you could have argued three years ago when he said, hey, Russia, if you're listening, hack Hillary's emails. Maybe you could give him a freebie and say he was joking. But now we know better. Hours after he did that, Russia did, in fact, try to hack Hillary's emails. There's no mulligan here when it comes to our national security. So what if China does overtly or covertly start to help the Trump campaign? You think he's going to call him out on it? Or you think he's going to give him a better trade deal on it? Can any of us really have the confidence that Donald Trump will put his personal interests ahead of the national interest. Is there really any evidence in this presidency that should give us the ironclad confidence that he would do so? You know you can't count on him to do that. That's the sad truth. You know you can't count on him to do that. 
the American people deserve a president they can count on to put their interest first. To put their interest first. Colonel Vindman said, here right matters. Here right matters. Well, let me tell you something. If right doesn't matter, if right doesn't matter, it doesn't matter how good the Constitution is. It doesn't matter how brilliant the framers were. It doesn't matter how good or bad our advocacy in this trial is. Doesn't matter how well written the oath of impartiality is. If right doesn't matter, we're lost. If the truth doesn't matter, we're lost. Framers couldn't protect us from ourselves if right and truth don't matter. And you know that what he did was not right. You know, that's what they do in the old country that Colonel Vinman's father came from or the old country that my great-grandfather came from, or the old countries that your ancestors came from, or maybe you came from. But here, right is supposed to matter. It's what's made us the greatest nation on earth. No constitution can protect us. Right doesn't matter anymore. And you know you can't trust this president do what's right for this country. You can trust he will do what's right for Donald Trump. He'll do it now. He's done it before. He'll do it for the next several months. He'll do it in the election if he's allowed to. This is why if you find him guilty, you must find that he should be removed. Because right matters. Because right matters. And the truth matters. Otherwise, we are lost. <clears throat> Mr. Chief Justice. Majority Leader is recognized. I ask unanimous consent that the trial adjourn until 1 p.m. Friday, January the 24th, and that this order also constitute the adjournment of the Senate. Without objection, so ordered. The Senate is adjourned. Is that right?